everyone, this is Jenna. This season, I am recommending the book Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Many, if not all of you listening, know her story even if you just learned her name. In 2014, Chanel was sexually assaulted by Brock Turner on Stanford University's campus. Her court case, and more importantly, her victim impact statement, swept across the United States and brought attention to the cruelty she and endless other survivors endure at the hands of society, the court, and their perpetrator. Know My Name is an autobiographical account of Chanel's trauma, healing, and court journey. In this book, Chanel does not shy away from the impact her assault had on her. She does not protect readers from the violence of her trauma in the immediate aftermath of her assault or in the years that followed. Throughout this book, Chanel is unwaveringly brave. Readers who pick up this book must also be brave. Brave enough to not look away, brave enough to be kind to themselves, and brave enough to honor her story. Know My Name is also a story that is beautiful and strong right from the cover. The cover art is inspired by a Japanese artistic philosophy known as Kintsugi, or gold repair. Kintsugi teaches that there is beauty in scars or broken pottery by filling in cracks and holding pieces together with gold. Kintsugi shows us that although an object cannot be returned to its original state, fragments can be made whole again. I believe that Chanel's story contains something for everyone. At the WGAC, we know that survivors often find solace and healing by sharing their story. Chanel relays her story in ways that only a survivor can recognize and appreciate. As we often hear from our Friday support group, what many survivors want is to be in community and sometimes rage with other survivors. They don't want pity or platitudes. Chanel offers neither. Chanel's story is brutally honest. Some survivors may find the depictions of her assault and its aftermath too triggering. If you have to take a break, please know that by putting your well-being and your journey first before this contents of this book, you are being brave. Reading this book was an incredibly cathartic experience for me. Each time I put the book down, I gave it a hug. The hug was for Chanel, for everyone who supported her, and for every survivor out there. And in some ways, it was for me. Hugging the book was just the instinctual act that I felt was appropriate for the gravity of the story. I did also cry several times throughout this book. and had to tell myself that it was okay to take a break for a minute, a day, or a week, and then return. This book is not a sprint. Or at least it wasn't for me. Because Chanel's journey wasn't a sprint. It was an ultra marathon. Here's some advice Chanel has for your marathon. The journey will be longer than you imagined. Trauma will find you again and again. Do not become the ones who hurt you. Stay tender with your power. Never fight to injure. Fight to uplift. Fight because you know that in this life, you deserve safety, joy, and freedom. Fight because it is your life. In addition to the emotional companionship she offers, the detail Chanel goes into about the court system is an incredible resource. I think survivors who have gone through the judicial system will find it validating, and those who are considering it will find it eye-opening. Chanel has faithfully recorded the emotional and procedural task of navigating the judicial system such as the long waits between hearings, the games perpetrators and their lawyers play, the occasional revolving door of advocates, and the work it takes to prepare for the witness stand. 
in many ways, advocates like myself will do everything in our power to support and prepare survivors for the reporting process, and it still won't be the same as the preparation and support provided by this book. Chanel's intimacy with her experiences provide the reader with a roadmap to what could happen if a survivor's case goes to trial. For people who need or want to understand, this book provides an in-depth view on the roller coaster that it is to be a survivor. And while we all know that no story is the same, similar themes can be found in most survivor stories. Themes of strength, vulnerability, support, hope, injustice, and justice are all present in Chanel's book. I experienced these acutely as I read the book and hope that all others do as well. In addition to the emotions she felt throughout the court case, a unique thing that Chanel does exceptionally well is relate the dissonance she experienced between herself and her body, which is a topic we often hear from survivors about. Chanel writes, I had fallen into the habit of neglecting my body, often forgetting to feed it, and when I was assaulted, I refused to even look at it. Now my body was saying, you have to listen to me. You have to respect my needs. We have to work together or you will end up hurt. By writing this book, Chanel has potentially saved thousands, if not more, from telling their story over and over again. My hope in recommending Know My Name is that survivors will find a comfort and validation in it and that non-survivors can respectfully read it and reflect on the learning opportunity they have been provided. I also hope that survivors are able to see some of their own strength in Chanel and parallels in their journeys. I will leave you with this from the afterword of Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Everything I need to get through this, I already have. Everything I need to know, I already know. Everything I need to be, I already am. This time around, I'm going to do something a little different for my recommendation. You may have heard our interview with Sonia Renee Taylor in another episode talking about her book, The Body is Not an Apology. But she also wrote another book called Celebrate Your Body and Its Changes Too, the ultimate puberty book for girls. And because I was so impressed with Sonia while she was here, I took the book home and read it with my two younger kiddos. It sparked some great conversations about their bodies, how their bodies might change, and who is able to touch their bodies. So today, rather than you all hearing just from me about why this book is good and important, I brought in two experts on their own bodies, my 12-year-old Danny and my 10-year-old Maggie, to help me talk to you about why books like these are good to share with kiddos. Welcome to the studio, Danny and Maggie. What do you think about being here with me today? Normally, we would be doing this in a studio, but can you tell our listeners a little bit about what we're having to do right now? We have to stay at home to stay safe and keep other people safe so that we can save the world or something. Okay. We are stay-at-home superheroes. Oh, woohoo! Okay, so before we go too far, would you like to introduce yourselves to our listeners and tell them a little bit about you? I'm Danny. I'm 12 years old, obviously. I'm non-conforming. What does that mean? I don't, uh, my pronouns are they, them, and I don't really have a gender. Okay. And I love to cook and play soccer and basketball. Cool. I'm Maggie. I'm bisexual, which means I like boys and girls. I like to make art, and um, I like baseball. Thank you for sharing with our listeners a little bit about you. 
All right. So let's tell our listeners a little bit about the book, okay? What did you think about the book? I think the book was a little pretty easy to read because um, it was nice and colorful and it like drew attention to what you would actually be doing and it had pictures to know to let you know um, how it all worked if you didn't get it. What was your favorite part? So it taught us about how important hygiene is and how important it is to take care of our body and feed it the right stuff. How about you, Mags? I don't have a favorite part. Who do you think should read books like this? Uh, younger girls that haven't had their periods yet. Okay. I think more of the younger generation, but also if it, it's a really interesting book, so I think it could be fun for all ages, but and it doesn't necessarily have to be for girls. If you're a man or non-conforming, or I'm not going to assume anyone's gender here, but um, it's fun for all genders, um, and I think a lot of people liked it a lot. Was it helpful that you got to read it with an adult who answered questions that might have come up? Yes, it very, it very much was. I mean, I don't know what it would be like if I didn't read it with an adult, but yeah, I think it was helpful. Okay. Anything else that you might want to tell our listeners before we go? The book is a little awkward to read. It's um, just part of the puberty process and it some of the pictures are a little disturbing disturbing it's a good book i think y'all should read it um it really it says that your pu um that puberty and your period is kind of like a train and you should keep that in mind and remember that people's bodies go at different rates. So if, like, your friend who's, like, the same age as you gets their period first, um, don't worry, you're going to get yours. But if you don't, then don't worry. Thank you so much for sharing with our listeners a little bit about the book. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're wondering how to talk to some younger folks about how bodies work and how menstruation happens and things to expect during puberty... We highly recommend Sonia Renee Taylor's Celebrate Your Body. That's for sure. I loved hearing from you both. I just may have to share this book with my own kids. Hey, listeners, it's Victoria. Now, there's no easy way to transition from celebrating our changing bodies back to interpersonal violence. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in. For this episode, I'm recommending a documentary that tells a survivor's story in her own way, in her own words. I believe that stories have power, especially when they're told by the people who lived them. Hearing the stories of other survivors can help you take ownership of your own story and share or not share in whatever ways you choose. This 2017 documentary is entitled Allison, A Tale of Monsters, Miracles, and Hope. It's not often that I watch shows or movies about interpersonal violence because my advocacy work and my own survivor identity can make them quite triggering for me. However, although Allison's story is a hard one to see and hear because of the extreme violence she experienced, I found myself oddly comforted and hopeful at the end of the film because of how she tells her story. The film uses striking imagery throughout, like a star-studded night sky and butterflies flying across the screen which give a beautifully haunting quality to the images you see on screen. 
I struggled at first with the beauty of certain effects in the midst of such horror, but I ended up really appreciating the way Allison chose to make meaning out of her story. I think that many survivors struggle with this balance because interpersonal violence and its aftermath are neither easy nor pretty. But for many survivors, it can help the healing process to search for beauty and meaning in those experiences that, in very real ways, destroy your entire life. Allison describes feeling disconnected after her attack, like she didn't care about anything anymore. She also mentions that even 25 years later, she still experiences triggers that take her back to that night. As survivors, we know that trauma often leaves us feeling numb, and we definitely know that healing doesn't have a timeline. It can help to hear this sort of validation from another survivor, and it may help remind you that you're not alone. After some time, Allison realized her disassociation was, in a way, giving her perpetrators power over her life. She thought, just as she did after the assault, that she must choose life and find her way out of the dark. Allison chose to find purpose and healing around her experiences, and she went on to become a motivational speaker and author, offering ways to navigate healing after trauma. Allison's healing journey may offer hope for survivors who are struggling to find their own way out of the dark. It may feel supportive to hear someone speak about the ways trauma impacted their life and emotions, especially if you can relate to those feelings. What's more, Allison can help you think about how to tell your story in your own way, if or when you're ready. I want to offer a trigger warning for Allison's story. Please know that she does not gloss over any of the details of her attack, which includes sexual assault and extreme physical violence. But the depictions of violence are done with sensitivity. The viewer gets the full impact of the attack without the typical Hollywood exploitation of violence for its own sake. If you choose to watch the film, I encourage you to perform self-care and prepare yourself to hear a difficult story, but also know that the film has a fairy tale quality to it, and the goal in the telling is healing. This is the way Allison chose to tell her story, and again, there's power in it. Allison runs just under one hour and can be found on Amazon Prime. Hey, this is Courtney. And you're listening to this season's recommendation show with 2020 Feminist Thought and Activism Conference keynote, Afrosexology. When we interviewed Afrosexology for the conference, the conversation was so great and robust that we decided to split the interview into two episodes. In this episode, Angelica and I talk with Afrosexology about their personal journey with becoming comfortable with setting boundaries and how to uphold them on a day-to-day basis. Delisha and Rafaela provide us with some music recommendations for our Survivors playlist, and of course, they gave us some awesome book recommendations for our book lovers out there. If you haven't already, I would encourage y'all to check out our other episode to listen to the full interview with Afrosexology. But for now, I hope you enjoy this season's recommendation show. This time of high isolation can be stressful, 
And so how are y'all caring for yourselves and, and engaging in pleasure? Do you have any advice for our listeners? Raphael, can you start? Um, yeah, so um, something I've been committing to is walking every day. And so that has been exactly what <laughs> my body has needed. Um, and now that the weather is getting better, it's, well, it rained today. So I did some walking inside via YouTube. Um, but that has been such a full body experience because I've been practicing. Okay. So kind of related, but I mean, it is absolutely related, but also talking about the five senses. So I've been practicing this thing where, um, I pay attention to sound, but only to the sound that I'm making. Um, and I I try to tune out other noises and it's so mesmerizing for me. It's like, you know how if you're watching a movie and they like cut the sound for things happening and then you can only hear certain types of sound. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's like that. And it just gives me this feeling of warmth and control that I've very rarely experienced. I don't even know. I can't even really explain it all the way, but I've just been doing that and I just feel kind of powerful. Like I'm making this noise, <laughs> like all this noise is my noise and I'm making it and it just feels so good. So like, when I'm in the kitchen making something to eat, I pay attention to like, I just close this drawer and I'm sliding this, you know, bowl across the table. And when I'm going for a walk, I pay attention to how my feet feel and the, the sound that my stomach's making and my, the sound of my breath. And that has just been so uh, amazing. Um, so that's something I've been doing and reading every day has been part of my self-care, reading for pleasure, but also finding pleasure in reading for work. Because usually I feel like it's taking away from like fiction that I want to read, but just like being in the moment and feeling really good with the stories that, that I'm reading, um, even if it's related to work has been really fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, that, that is what my day typically looks like outside of doing work. And I also have to be kind of transparent that I'm really loving everything right now in my life. Um, including not having a lot of options to go out and do things with, you know, people and go shopping and go to restaurants and things like that. So I do have to say the way I'm experiencing um, quarantine right now is different than a lot of other people's experiences right now. It may change, you know, for an, another month in quarantine, but uh, um, it hasn't really been that stressful for me. So I just wanted to be clear mm. about that. So <laughs> I'll let someone else talk if they're having yeah. <laughs> harder times. But I made a comment the other day. I was telling my friend, I was like, you know, I'm not even mad. Like, mm. can it just stay like this forever? Mm. And they were like, what? And I was mm. like, I don't know. That's how I feel today. <laughs> and the last couple of days and maybe tomorrow. But yeah, I mean, that's that's what my self-care has been looking like. So. I I am... You know, I, I'm a, um, a really touchy person and I love quality time. So I am having, uh, I am really missing a lot of people and I live, I am lucky to be quarantined with my partner. So I do get physical touch. My partner is not as touchy as I am. And so I am still like feeling really touch deprived. And I'm just like, how are other people who are by themselves handling this? This is um, hard and I, uh, yeah, I am missing community. Um, I am, also, yeah, so some things that have been 
challenging for me around pleasure is around is the fact that like things that I used to do to bring me pleasure like drinking I've had to like I've slow down and stop in quarantine because I was like oh I am drinking a lot more and I don't like the way this is going so I'm trying to find other ways to bring pleasure than like drugs that I typically go to um and I have been enjoying slowing down I think I didn't realize how I did realize I mean I did like last year was like my anxiety had flared back up. I was stressed. I was exhausted. I was working harder than I've ever worked in my life, doing all the things that I love. I love my work, but working harder than the hardest I've ever worked. And I told myself this year I wanted to slow down and, you know, wasn't doing the best at it. So this quarantine is forcing me to um, slow down and I'm constantly fighting the internal capitalist idea that I should just be working constantly. But I've been trying to just rest a lot more and give myself like two tasks that I'm doing for the day and just do that and like chill. And so I've been getting a lot like I have been sleeping the best. Like I was like, oh, my gosh, they were not lying when they said you need eight hours of sleep and to drink water. Like It has made a huge difference in my energy. And so sleep has been good. Drinking more water now that I'm not drinking as much wine. <laughs> like, things like so that. Too. I'm like, oh, you know, doctors they be they be telling the truth sometimes. Um, I I've been like really. Um, I have had to really engage in my senses in order to to motivate myself because there have been days where it just feels really hard. Like there's days where I feel energized and I'm like excited to be at home and I'm working and I'm killing it and I'm whatever, making good food. And there's days where I'm just like, I don't want to do anything. Um, So trying to honor those moments. And then also when there's days where I know I do have to do something like waking up, lighting my candles, putting on my diffuser, playing a good playlist, like doing things that I know make me feel good because I need to pour something into myself in order to like give what I need to give for the day, especially on days when I have to teach my classes. You know, like I can't just be like, sorry, y'all, I'm just going to watch Disney movies all day and y'all have to figure out classes on your own. So just like learning um, to engage in those things that I, I do know make me feel good. And it feels really empowering to be like on those days when I feel unmotivated to, to know that I know what my pleasure practices are. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to play this song. I'm going to twerk. I'm going to make a good smoothie. I'm going to like light this candle. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to play with bubbles. I'm going to do the things that I know that make me feel good so that I can like show up the, in the best way that I can for my students. And it's been really great to see how it works. Like an hour of me, like listening to a playlist that I love it totally changes my mood. And so I'm just like reinforcing those practices. But honestly, my pleasure has been in a lot of sleeping. And um, I've been also paying attention to my sex drive. Like there's just periods where my sex drive feels really higher. uh, And I want to masturbate more and I want to have sex more. And then there's also a lot of times when I'm feeling a decrease in my sex drive and trying to not like judge myself for that, especially as a sex educator to be like, why aren't you experiencing pleasure right now? Um, And trying to be okay with like my body is reacting to the fact that I haven't seen a lot of the people in my life who bring me pleasure that I'm not getting like there's a difference between choosing to be inside and being forced to be inside and so trying to not judge myself for the ways that my body is feeling and like learning to to sit with grief which has been really you know I like I'm learning so much from it learning to to sit with like the like the 
I think I, I judge so many negative emotions. Mo- see, emotions are not good or bad. I've placed that on it. I place that like grief is negative, that feeling sad is negative, that feeling um, angry is negative. And I'm trying to just learn how to sit with those feelings way more um, and be present with like, what do I need in this time? And like, <laughs> like literally talking to myself like a kid, like, do you need a nap? Do you need a juice box? What do you need right now? Like, what does your body want? Um, and so that's been, that's been, that's been bringing me pleasure. It's just like learning how to sit with my feelings because I'm not getting to, to do and think as much as I would. And I'm feeling lots of feelings and enjoying what they're teaching me. Yeah, I think that it's super important to just do like a body scan. We talk a lot about that in advocacy as well. It's like, what are you really feeling? And then how can you express that emotion? Or because I I like how you were talking about you reframed how being sad or angry is like such Mm -hmm. a has a negative connotation around it. And so I think like the more we talk about it, it's almost like what Angelica was saying before. It's like talking about pleasure. It's almost, it's attached to sex and sex yeah. is so taboo to talk about. And so the more that we talk. Oh, I was just saying, yeah, was that? <laughs> that was affirming. Oh, <laughs> uh, I thought you said no. I was like, wow, okay, let's talk more about it. <laughs> I was like, let's, did I, maybe I misinterpreted that whole thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. goodness. That was a cure me for a moment. And so, like, if we just, like, have that conversation and make it more normal of, like, no, you are allowed to feel sad about missing and seeing people because I'm also a people person. And so right now I feel as if, I mean, I do have roommates and I see people, but I'm, like, and don't get to see a lot of other people. And so do am I finding pleasure? Is that something within myself? Or what is something that I can do really yeah. to evoke other emotions as well? Um, and so it's kind of switching gears now. Um, right now, the advocacy team, we're coming up um, with several playlists for survivors to jam out to, um, to, to really evoke a certain emotion. And so what are some songs, artists, albums that y'all currently have on repeat? Mm-hmm. I love this question. I love playlists. <laughs> I have a playlist for like every mood. Um, so my I'm really like in like into this like 70s vibe that's coming back into music right now so like Doja Cat's Doja Cat's <laughs> you know what I'm saying you saw it you saw it like I love Say So I love Say So so much um and then some other my the other artists I like who were also on that same wavelength is like Raven Lene and she has a song called The Night Song that's like so like 70 it just feels really ethereal and just makes me want to like I don't know I just it's, that's my favorite era so it's just I like it um and then Amber Marks like Love Me Right is also on that wavelength and then when I think about like my pleasure playlist like my sexy pleasure playlist you know Lizzo her song uh lingerie is just really good Sabrina Claudio is my problematic fave I love her and her songs unravel me I would be more than happy to send y'all some songs there's like so many songs that I just like really like I am into like Layla Hathaway and so she has a song called like call on me and that's like so sultry and I just yeah I just love it and then there's this like British artist called now and uh, she has a song called apple cherry that is like really sexy and so I I love curating playlists so like I love like brushing my teeth to like a sexy playlist like just things like that like, I'm just like that just put me in the mood <laughs> like not even for sex <laughs> just like cooking to this and just like feeling all these like pleasurable feelings in my body 
Um, so yeah, so those are those are currently what I'm listening to a lot. Um, I can't really help out here. Um, <laughs> I listen to a lot of music right now. I'm listening to a lot of um, reggae and Spanish music. Mm. So I like, yeah. I don't think I have a specific suggestion that I think would be mm. a survivor's playlist type of thing. Um, but yeah, so. Sorry, that's all I got. <laughs> no worries, no worries. <laughs> uh, yeah, so right now I am finishing up Sister Citizen by Melissa Harris Perry. Um, and I just started Hood Feminism. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm in between like eight books right now. So the last two that I just gave you, I'm reading for pleasure. <laughs> um, I'm also rereading parts of pleasure activism and then um yeah like i'm i just yeah i'm reading a lot of things but those two really have my attention more because it's more of my like kind of work related but also i'm having fun reading them um and it's just like so many moments in the books where i'm just like slapping my finger snapping my fingers taking notes and having um, a really really powerful experience there and coming up with some um new ideas, revelations, but also feeling affirmed in some of my experiences and ideas. Hmm. Um, so that's been really fun. But yeah, we'll leave it to those those three right now. <laughs> Could I add, like, I've, this is one of my favorite books, but like Feminist Utopia is like this collection of all these people who wrote like these amazing short stories or poems about what a feminist future could look like. And there's just so many really interesting and and beautiful um essays in there that gives us things to just dream about for what's possible that's all for this episode of we believe you advocacy resources and healing around interpersonal trauma please remember that the wgac is here to provide support for all csu students 24 hours a day 365 days a year To reach an advocate, you can call 970-492-4242. If you have feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for the podcast, please email wgac at colostate.edu. That's wgac at c-o-l-o-s-t-a-t-e dot edu. For more information about advocacy and the Women and Gender Advocacy Center, go to www.wgac.colostate.edu. You can also find the WGAC on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. A big thank you to Xavier Hadley for creating the music used in this podcast. And to our partnership with KCSU at Colorado State University. For more KCSU content, go to kcsufm.com. Thank you so much for listening.